Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me in your Bible to our text that we've uh, been using, and that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Without going through a lot of, uh, of the other verses that we've read so many times, we'll just start in verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Say this after me. But God has revealed these things to me. Through his spirit. Amen. And it goes on to say, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Glory to God. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. And this is telling us that God has prepared things for us. God has prepared things for those who love him. And they are freely given. They don't come on the basis of our good works or our effort. They come because they're prepared for us. Amen. When my wife prepares dinner... All I have to do is receive it and partake of it. Amen. Because it's been prepared. Well, God has prepared things for us. Psalmist said he has set before us a table. Glory to God. In the presence of our enemies. And uh, ordinarily, it wouldn't be very comforting to eat, to try to eat while your enemies are breathing down your neck. But when you know when the enemy's been defeated, amen. When he's been stripped of his power and authority, you can just laugh at him and go on and just have a good meal. Praise the Lord. We're going to feast on the blessings of God, aren't we? Amen. So last week we uh, picked up with this thought that in comprehending God's plan for the church, or you could say for, for our own lives, because we're part of it, the importance of God's plan for us, we can say it that way, can be estimated by considering how long it's been in planning and what measure he has taken to protect it. Well, we know that uh, uh, God has, has planned the blessings that belong to us in Christ. God planned all of this before the foundations of the earth. Before creation. God had... Just let that sink in. God had you in mind because God knows all things. God didn't just sort of hurriedly, you know, come up with a plan for you when you showed up. No, God knew you had a plan for your life, and, it, and it's part of this plan. It's part of his plan for the church. He had your name in there and, and what he had planned for you before the creation of the earth. Wow, that's pretty big. And then uh, the 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 
the extent that he went to protect it, kept it a secret. From all the past ages, all the past generations, when it talks about generations, it's always talking about generations of people. So all that we have and what's been provided for us was kept a secret from Adam. It's kept secret from Enoch. It was kept secret from from, uh, uh, Moses. It's kept secret from Abraham and and Job. Now, these, these men and women of the Old Testament, when it's talking about these generations, it's talking about the generations of the Old Testament people. They had a sense there was something there. If you read Job, which is, uh, Job was a contemporary of Abraham, so he, he, he didn't live at the earliest age. But the book of Job is the, is the oldest, uh, Bible scholars say, it's the oldest written book in the Old Testament. Because Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. He wrote the Pentateuch. By, he wasn't there when all these things happened, but he, he wrote it by divine inspiration. But Job was written in the day of Abraham. So it's the oldest book. And right there in that, you, if you read it, you see that there's an awareness that there's got to be redemption. There's got to be a, a, a heavenly home. There's, we've got to, to really know God. It, man has yearned for union with God. So that sense was in them, but they couldn't understand it. They didn't know how it could happen because God hid it from them. He hid it from from. Uh, uh, Moses and Joshua and and in the prophets, you know, prophet Samuel hidden from him. Prophet King David was a prophet hidden from him. All the prophets of the Old Testament, you know, the major minor prophets. The Bible says that they looked into those things and 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 they realized the things they were saying didn't fully apply to them, but applied to somebody else. Applied to us. And if you go through the Old Testament, you'll see that that in when you when you get in the New Testament, you'll see that the church was there. Bible scholars refer to the great parentheses in Old Testament uh, 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 understanding that there's a place for the church that that when you when you when you're in the church age and you look back, it's like there's this big blank. For instance, in Joel chapter two. Says in the last days I will pour my spirit out on all flesh, and your sons and daughters prophesy and so forth. And, and that's that happened on the day of Pentecost. And then the very next thing it says, and the sun shall be turned to, to darkness, and the moon will be turned to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. That's talking about the second coming of Christ in awful judgment and vengeance on this earth. Well, what happened to the middle? There's been two thousand years. That's that parentheses, and it's and it's it's you can just separate those two portions of scripture. That's the church age. They sensed something, but they didn't know what it was because God kept it a secret. Why did he keep it a secret for them? We read this last week. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Why did he keep it a secret? Well, he couldn't tell them about it because they couldn't have it. Verse 39, all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, there wasn't anything wrong with them. God, God was happy with these people in this, in this chapter. He wasn't angry with them. He was, they, all had, 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 they all received and obtained a good testimony through faith, and God loves faith. He was, these were men and women of faith. 
And though he was well pleased and, and they obtained a good testimony, they did not receive the full promise. They didn't receive reconciliation with God. They couldn't see how it would happen. Why? God having prepared something better for us. Woo, glory to God. God prepared something better for us. Moses stood on the, on the mountaintop with fire and smoke and the glory of God and the power of God. Not as good. Good, but not as good. We have something better. God prepared something better for us. Do, do you think maybe we need our understanding expanded a little bit? Yeah. We read back and we read all of the stories of the great things that happened. How Joshua stood up and commanded the sun to be still. We go, ooh, that was, could have been good to live in that day. Nope, something better. Something better. So he, he didn't qualify. It wasn't time for God to reveal the best. The best was reserved for the last. Glory to God. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. They didn't enter into perfection because God wasn't, God wasn't going to leave us out. They could not be made perfect until we were. Glory to God. Well, glory to God. I, I'm glad that excites you. Praise the Lord. I know it does. I know it does. So then we started just at the tail end of last Sunday morning. We started in the, in the next verse, which is verse 1 of chapter, of chapter 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He said, since we have or since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The imagery, I said this last week, I'll say it again. The imagery here that the Apostle Paul is using, and, and it's not for certain that Paul wrote this, but uh, many people believe he did, I do. But, you know, it's not, you, want to, you don't make a doctrine out of it, but whoever wrote it was using the imagery of the uh, athletic games. You know, the Grecian games that were the precursor to our modern day Olympics. And the people would be in the stands and they would be cheering as, as these uh, events took place. And so that's the imagery here of people in the grandstands watching and cheering. And it said, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Well, who is that cloud? Who are these people? Well, all these people in, in he, he's referring to the people in chapter 11, the great men and women of faith. But it wouldn't just be them. It would be all the men and women of faith who've ever gone on before. And that would even mean people that we know or have known. Family members and friends who died in the faith. They're in heaven and they're, they're looking at us and they're cheering us on. 
Now, I said last week, you know, that, uh, that people up there aren't interested in natural things. And, uh, and I said, I talked about someone who, who uh, uh, the Lord instructed about this. It was actually Kenneth Hagin. Back in, in 1968, uh, he, was in, he was conducting a meeting. And Jeannie Wilkerson was present in that meeting. Now, Jeannie Wilkerson, I was in one of, in one of Brother Hagin's meetings at least one time, maybe more. But I know I was there one time when Jeannie Wilkerson was there. And, and she was recognized as a prophet, very accurate prophet, prophetess. And uh, in this meeting in 1968, she spoke by the Spirit and said that that in the fall of that year, in the fall of, I don't know what time of the year it was when she said this, where, whenever it was, said in the fall of that year that Brother Hagin would have an experience similar to Enoch's experience and that he would be called away. And uh, now Enoch was called away physically. His physical body was just, just disappeared, was transported into heaven. But she said Brother Hagen would be called away in the spirit. It would be a similar experience, but he would be called away in, in, into heaven in the spirit. Well, he testifies that uh, later that year, in the fall of that year, his sister uh, died of cancer. And uh, before she had, she had gotten sick one time before and was facing death. And he was able to pray her uh, out of that and get her healing. But this time when she got sick, he couldn't. The first time she was a baby Christian and didn't know. But then the second time when she, when she came down with the cancer, she knew more and she was responsible for, for more. And so he wasn't able to, to pray the prayer of faith for her or to carry her with his, with, with his faith. So she passed away. And he said that uh, that evening, earlier in the evening, they were all gathered around her bedside when she passed away, when she went to heaven. They were there in the room, the family. And he said later that night, actually early in the morning, the, the next morning, about 1.30 in the morning, so it'd be the same night, uh, he was letting, of course, you know, after that, you've been with the family and everybody's hearts are touched and, you know, tender and there's sorrow and, you know, all of that, the emotion. He was laying there in bed that night and he was thinking about the time when he was a teenager, when he died. And if you've heard his testimony, he, he died and his spirit left his body. And, and when his spirit left his body, as he went up, and when he got up to about, as he was ascending into heaven, when he got up to about the ceiling of the, of the bedroom, he looked down and he could see his body laying there on the bed. He could see his mama with, with holding his hand in hers and his grandmother there, you know, and I guess others. And he could watch the scene, but he was up above them. And so he was laying in bed that, that morning, about 1.30 in the morning, and he was thinking about earlier that evening when his sister had died. And he was thinking about what it must have been like for her. She must have experienced the same thing. Uh, and, and, and reading that, I remember when my, when my 14-year-old sister died back in 1976. I remember being there at the hospital when she passed away and remember standing over her lifeless body. And I remember just, I actually looked up and I was thinking, I wonder if she's watching me looking up at her, you know, but her body's right here. Well, Brother Hagin was thinking about that. And while he was thinking about it, he said suddenly there was a bright uh, uh, beam of golden light about the size of an elevator shaft just come right through the ceiling. And when it hit him, he, he was translated in spirit. He went up in that beam of light like, he, like you'd go up in an elevator. 
And when he got to the top of it, he was in heaven. Now, his body, you know, was, 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 was still there, but in the spirit, he was called away. And he said when he got to heaven, he walked up behind his sister, and she was talking to Jesus. And he walked up behind her, and when Jesus, Jesus was talking to his, his sister, and when he walked up, said Jesus looked past his sister and looked at Brother Hagen and stopped talking. And he said, his sister, of course, you would know somebody's behind you. So she turned around to see who was behind her. And there was, there was Brother Hagen. And she said, oh, Ken, she said, uh, don't feel bad that you couldn't pray the prayer of faith for me. There was a reason why. And Brother Hagen said, she didn't tell me the reason why. And I still don't know. But Jeannie Wilkerson had said when Brother Hagen would have this, uh, this in, in the fall of the year, he would have this experience. He would be called away and he would receive revelation. So here's the revelation that he received. While he was standing there talking to his, his sister, uh, she said, well, I've seen so-and-so. She mentioned somebody's name, Anne, I think, which was a daughter of hers that had, uh, uh, was killed in, a, in an automobile accident when she was just young and she left two small children behind. And she said, I've seen Anne. And she said, Anne asked me, how is... Whatever, let's just say her husband's name was Jim. I don't remember what it was. How's Jim and how are the children? And now she was asking just generally in the, you know, in the natural how they were because people in heaven don't know those things. And the, Brother Hagen's sister, who was already in heaven, said, I didn't tell Ann that Jim had remarried. She said because she wouldn't be interested anyway. And she made this statement. She said, people up here aren't interested in natural things. We're not interested in people who they get married to and, you know, what kind of job they have and whether they went to college or whether they didn't, whether they're rich or poor, have fancy cars or just drive, you know, simple things. He said, we're not interested in that. She said, but we are aware of spiritual things. So she asked Brother Hagin, she said, when you get back, I want you to talk. And she she had two other sons. And she said her, 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 I think it was her oldest son. She said, I want you to talk to him. And she said, you tell him that I'll know when he gets right with God. She had been praying for him while she was alive. He had, Brother Hagin said this, this son, which was Brother Hagin's nephew, had, had walked with God when he was young, but when he got older, he fell away, backslid. And he'd been away from God for a number of years. And his mother was telling Brother Hagin, you tell him that I'll know it when he makes his consecration. He said, she said, because people up here are aware when people make the right decisions for God. We're aware of spiritual growth. And, and so uh, Brother Hagin said when he got back, he did talk to her, her son, and he didn't make a consecration right then. I think he did, but then that didn't last very long. But then later in life, he, uh, because he had, he had the call of God on his life when he was young, but he had been running from God. He eventually got back. He came to one of Brother Hagin's camp meetings, got back into fellowship with the Lord, answered the call of the ministry, I guess went to Rainbow, but, but, but started preparing for ministry. So that was the, the end of that. But the revelation there was that people in heaven uh, are aware when we, he said they're watching our race and they know when we make decisions when we make advancement spiritually and so they're cheering us on glory to God so that 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 blesses me to know my father and my mother 
They're in heaven. And they're cheering me on. They're standing there. Just how many of you ever gone to a, to a, a game when one of your children were playing? Maybe a track meet or something. You ever, any of your kids ever been in, in track, you know? And you're on the sideline and you're, you know, they're running and you're standing there. Go, go. You're calling their name. Go. He's coming up behind you. Go. And, and when you, when you do that, if they hear you, you know, it kind of, it kind of gives them fresh energy and they begin to run a little bit, a little bit faster. Well, they're cheering us on. Glory to God. Seeing then, he said, that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We're being cheered on by our family. We're being cheered on by Abraham too. Amen. King David is up there cheering us on. Glory to God. Seeing that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us you know there's a race you could say a course you could say a track God has ordained a a track for you a course for you to run it has been set before you You didn't set it yourself. Too often, we encourage our children and our young people to make their own decisions. Decide what you want to be in life and go for it and give it everything you have and you'll be a success and God will bless you. We need to be telling them, seek the will of God. Find out at an early age what God expects for you. Instead of letting the culture and letting things of this natural life influence, let our children be influenced with the, with the, with the will of God. We have a, each one of us has a particular course. Why? Because we're part of Christ. You might not think that, that you that it could be even possible that you're all that important. But all of us have a part to play in spreading the gospel, in reaching people for Christ, and, and, and uh, furthering the kingdom of God on this earth. We all are players. We all have a role. And God, it's not like we just come in and, and sign up and pick a spot. God has ordained and prepared a, a place and a, and a path for us to walk, a race for us to run, and we're to run it. And along with that track that God has ordained for us, he has provided the things that we need to run that race. He has, it, it, it's, it's, all, it's all provided for us. All the strength, all the wisdom. I, one, one passage that, that always uh, encourages me, and I, and I read this a lot. And uh, in 1 Timothy chapter uh, 1, verse number 12, this is just a favorite scripture of mine. Paul said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. That word enabled means to furnish with strength and ability. 
He said, I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who has furnished me with strength and ability because he counted. That word counted is also translated judged. And, and, it's, and it's also, uh, it's, it's, it's translated judged and uh, I forget the other. There's another way it's used in, in the New Testament. But it means the same thing. God has, has counted and judged. Paul said, he counted and judged me faithful. Putting me into the ministry. I always read it like this. Putting me into his ministry. And so I read that scripture over myself. I say, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have furnished me with strength and ability because you counted me faithful. When did he count me faithful? When I became faithful? No. He counted me faithful when he called me. And he called me before the foundations of the earth. God judged me faithful. And in those times when I've been unfaithful, he didn't change his mind. God judged you faithful. God set a track before you. The Lord Jesus judged and counted you faithful to run that course. To fulfill his will. He counted you faithful. You don't want to disappoint him. What, does, what will Jesus say on that day when we stand before him, the ones that have done his will? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. See, he has, he has already judged you faithful. He's already equipped you. He's already supplied you with strength and ability. And he says you're faithful. Glory to God. You have, you have the Lord Jesus pulling for you. You got this great cloud of witnesses saying, come on, come on, do it. And Jesus is sitting back in his mind, in his heart. You're faithful, you're faithful, you're faithful. You're faithful, I'm not looking at that, you're faithful. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. We have, a, we have a race to run. But there are some things that can, can slow us down. He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily <clears throat> ensnares us. You know, if you've ever been to, to, if you've ever watched the Olympics and you've watched the runners, you know, and running the races, you notice they don't run with their overcoat on? Big old heavy top coat. If they did, they'd never finish the race. They also don't run with their street clothes on. Now, there's nothing wrong with their clothes. Because some things, some things are sins that we ought not have. Other things in and of themselves are okay, but they're weights. And if you allow weights, if you allow things to weight you down, and sin in particular will, it, it says they easily ensnare us. I think the Living Bible says they wrap themselves around our feet and trip us up. Well, you know, you couldn't run a race if you had stuff wrapped all around your feet. You'd never make it to the finish line. God wants us to make it to the finish line. Now, we're all going to, to finish our life. But some people leave here, they leave this life with their race unfinished. They don't finish their race. 
They don't run the course God set for them. And their life is over. And when we get to heaven, that's, that's going to be the thing that's going to matter to us. Did you complete the track that I laid out for you, that I set before you? Now, when it says that he set the, uh, 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 a race before us, that which he has set before us, that doesn't just mean whatever life looks like in front of you. It's not talking about just the natural circumstances that are just laid out in front of you. There are a lot of wrong paths laid out in this natural realm. This is the path God has laid out. And the only way we can know it is to seek God and find out what his will is. But, but if, we don't, if we don't determine to stay free, unentangled, Sin will cause you to not only, sin will not only interrupt your fellowship with God, it'll also dull you to the things of the Spirit so that you're not able to perceive the things of the Spirit. And, and then you'll miss out on God's plan. You won't be ready when God is ready for you move from one stage to another stage. There are different stages. There are different stages different phases of our, of our track, of our, of our uh, uh, race that we're supposed to run. And he, notice he also said run with patience. What does that mean? You, you can't just do everything right away. Because there are some things that we're not ready for. There are some things that are ahead of you that you're not ready for right now. There are things ahead for me that I'm not ready for. The only way I can step into them is to get ready ahead of time. It's important that we prepare. Times of preparation are never wasted times. Use the time. Seek God. And some things you won't know. You'll just sense that God has something for you. Just content. Just be, just be satisfied that you know there's something out there. And pray in the Spirit. And God will enlighten you, he will help you, and you will be able to pray out your future that you don't even understand. The way you prepare is fundamentally is through prayer and obedience, doing what you know to do now. Amen. When the time comes for the next phase or the next stage of your life, if you haven't prepared, you won't be able to step into it. The opportunity will present itself and you'll miss it because you didn't prepare yourself. Because these things don't just happen automatically. As you go through life, you don't just automatically advance in your track, in your course. It doesn't happen that way. It happens as we run our race with patience and keeping ourselves unencumbered with just... Sins, obviously, but then weights. What, what is a weight? A weight is anything that's not necessarily sinful. It just hinders you. And really, almost any natural thing can become a weight. Now, they're, 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 they're not all because we do have a natural life. And God does expect us to, to uh, enjoy natural life and to, and to allow... You know, he's blessed us, for instance, with, with things, but we can't let things govern us. 
God has blessed my wife and me, and we're, and we're blessed naturally, but we can't let those things hold us back. And I've seen it so many times. I've seen the blessings of God. The Bible talks about, uh, uh, Jesus talks about uh, the things of this life, you know, the sower sowing the seed. And one of the persons were, were, uh, was, was uh, illustrated by the, the uh, one who received the, the seed among thorns and they grew up. And he said, the cares of this life sprung up. What are the cares of this life? Well, everything is a care of life. But if you allow them to, if you get entangled with them, the cares of this life. Another one he said was the pleasures of life. And actually that word that's translated pleasures is, is the word, is the Greek word hedone. And it's the, it's the word we get hedonistic from. And it all, in the Bible, every single time it's used, it's always used of sinful pleasures. They're sinful pleasures. And we can't let those things entangle us. Cares of this life, sinful pleasures. Just another thing he said, the desire for other things entering in. We, have a, we need to be hungry for God above everything. We ought to have a desire for him and for his plan and his will in our life above everything else. And, and if we don't, We'll start turning our affections on things that will lead. And, and the thing in and of itself might not be bad. For instance, it's a good thing. The Bible says it's a good thing for a man to find a wife. I'm assuming it's a good thing for a wife to find a husband. But it just says it's a good thing if a man finds a wife. He finds a good thing. That's good. But what if you find the wrong wife? That wouldn't be good. God has a plan for your life. Be sensitive to God. Don't be so, well, I'm just such and such age and there's nobody in my life. Start seeking the will of God, why don't you? Why don't you just start putting God first? He'll bring the right person to you. Amen. Well, I want my kids to go to the best college. I want them to get the, the, uh, uh, a degree from from. You know, a, a good, reputable college. I want them to go to University of Florida. Or maybe it's not the will of God they even go to college. Everybody's not supposed to go to college. Everybody doesn't need to go to college. What, what is the plan of God for your life? It's better to be in the right place. It's, ready to, it's better to, to go to a, a, a college maybe that's not as prestigious and you meet the right people that God has ordained for your life. That's far better than going over to another college where you get out of the will of God. When our, our oldest son was, was preparing for college, he had an invitation to go to Harvard because he had good grades and was very intelligent and uh, they wanted him to come up there and spend the summer. Between his, I think his junior and senior year. And I had a check in my spirit. Now, I'm not sending my boy up there to that hedonistic cesspool of, of wrong thinking and wrong teaching. That would, have, that, that would have taken him out of the will of God. Oh yeah, I could, I could say, oh yeah, my son graduated from Harvard. He's an infidel now, but he graduated from Harvard. No. We ought to put God first. 
there's a there's a track you ha- you parents protect your children's and instill in them the importance of following his plan. They don't have to know his plan, but will to, to, to follow his plan. And just doing what they know to do. Amen. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. We'll look into this more maybe tonight. There's so much here. Hallelujah. The uh, Living Bible says, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. Well, that's good advice. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. The deceitfulness of riches Jesus mentioned. Praise the Lord. Wrong motives, selfish ambitions, pride, spiritual sloth, uh, slothfulness, fear, well, we'll pick up here tonight. Praise the Lord, Lord willing. Amen. You need to come back tonight because I've got some, some things to, to share with you that'll help you along this line. I just don't have time for it this morning. Praise the Lord. There's a race. Every one of you young men and women, you have a race that's set before you. Every one of you old guys, make your own definitions. There's a race set before every one of us. Amen. Middle life, there's a a path that God has for you. He wants you to follow it. Amen. Well, I've gone so far now that I haven't even asked God and, and have just been doing my own thing for so long. Can I ever get on track? Yes, yes, yes. God can, God can even take you after making a lot of wrong decisions. God can start working in your life. It complicates things. I'll be honest with you. It complicates things. You can marry the wrong person and it can be hell in this life. It can complicate things. But God can still then direct you from that situation to start making better decisions and start getting back on his path. He, he's, he's like that. He's miraculous. But the best thing is to follow him all the days of your life. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Your way is best. Your plan is the best best plan for me. Not my plan, not my way, Father. Not my will, Lord Jesus. Your will be done. Because your will is best. Now sometimes it's not always looked like the best. Sometimes it looked like anything but what I'd want to do. I've not always been willing because I couldn't see what you saw. And if we let us, if we let these things distract us and cause us to turn away from that that we sense in our heart then we we postpone our 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 race we waste valuable time that we're never getting back glory to god we don't have to know the way we don't we don't we don't have to know the full picture see the full picture know everything that's ahead of us that's what faith is father 
is trusting you and being obedient. Glory to God. So we consecrate ourselves and dedicate ourselves this morning, Father, to fulfilling your plan, fulfilling your path, to walking in the course and running the race that you've set before us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Glory to God. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you for it, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Spirit of God speaking to people in this congregation right now. Spirit of God speaking to people. Need to be quiet and listen. Make yourself sensitive. The biggest, one of the biggest things you can do is just say, God, whatever this is, I don't even understand it, but I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes. By faith, I'm saying yes. Whatever that is in your heart that's, that you might not even be able to define it or describe it, but there's a knowing, a sense, I should say. It's better to say a sense of God's plan and direction. You might not even know what it means or what it's about. Say yes to that. In your heart, say, yes, God, I'll follow that witness I have in my spirit. I don't understand it. I won't question you. I'll just say yes and do it now. Do it this morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory, 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 glory. We yield ourselves to you, Father. We say yes. We consecrate ourselves, Lord. Consecrate ourselves to your plan and to your purpose. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to God. If, if the Lord's dealing with you, if you sense the Spirit of God leading you and just dealing with you about your future, this doesn't mean that you've been in disobedience, what I'm about to ask. doesn't mean that you've missed it because all of us sense His leading at times. But if you feel like the Lord is, is dealing with you today, I want you to come down here to the front just as an act of consecration. Just come down to the front as an act of consecration. We're going to pray together. If the Lord, if you sense the Lord giving you a witness in your heart about your future, maybe you don't even understand it. Just come down to the front. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Glory to God. Father, I pray for each one of these today, Lord. Father, that you will stir on the inside of them a passion and a hunger, a yearning, on the inside of them like they've never known before. 
Father, may the desire for your will burn on the inside of them so that they will be led, powerfully led. That they'll, Father, that they'll understand the importance of yielding and cooperating. Each one of these that are in front of me are different. They're all different and they all perceive things differently in their heart. They all perceive the the leading of the Spirit a little bit differently. Father, I pray, Lord, that they'll, they'll be empowered to cooperate with that leading in the way that's appropriate for them. That that you'll show them how to follow. How to pray. How to pray. And how to follow that witness. And that that the the knowledge and the, the, or I should say the awareness. The awareness of that leading. Father will be strong in them. Powerful in them. That be aware of it Lord. That it will be a guiding Something in their life, a pull in their life toward you that'll be discernible, that'll be something they they sense and they're aware of. And I know sometimes not knowing what that is 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 a little is is a challenge sometimes because we're human beings and we want to know everything. But it's important, Father, that they follow that yearning and that sense or that 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 witness. Make them aware of it, Father, in a powerful way. So it'll be easy for them to cooperate with it. Glory to God. I pray that for them, Father. In Jesus' name, thy will be done. Glory to God. I want all of you in the front here to say this after me. Father God, not my will, but your will be done. Not my way, but your way. Not my path, but your path. Not my plans, but your plans. Father, lead me according to your perfect will in Jesus' name. And I have covenant with you today. That I will follow wherever you lead me. Wherever you lead me, I'll follow. Whatever path that's set before me, I'll follow that path. I might make mistakes. Because you know most of us do. I might make mistakes. But I know you're bigger than my mistakes. And I ask you and I give you permission to correct me. To correct me and pull me back to the center of your will again. And to the center of your path. When I make wrong decisions, Father, arrest me, stop me. Give me the awareness that I've, that I've missed it. And I, and I promise you that I will correct myself. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.